This is the part of our time together where we're going to read from the Bible. And so if you've got a Bible with you, either, you know, like a book version or on your phone, then that's great. Just whip it out right now. And uh, also, if you don't have a Bible, then download one. You can download download one for free on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Just search Bible. And we're doing a little series called The Prison Letters, looking at the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote whilst he was in lockdown in prison. And uh, that just felt appropriate. And in particular, at the moment, we're looking at the letter that he wrote to a group of people who he really, really loves. So these are the, the believers, the church in Philippi, which is a, a church that he started some years before. And in fact, what we're going to look at today in Philippians chapter one is a prayer that he wrote or, or um, yeah, a prayer that he wrote that he sent to them in the letter. So Philippians chapter one is where you need to be. And we're gonna be reading from verse nine. It says this, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. That's his prayer. I don't know about anyone else, but I have been hugely challenged and encouraged by something that Taryn said two weeks ago. Uh, It turns out that she is, well, pretty much always right. And and, uh, what she said two weeks ago that is a phrase that's been living with me is... um, the person who went into lockdown doesn't need to be the same as the person who comes out of lockdown. In other words, what if this moment is an invitation, an opportunity for transformation? What if instead of being only trapped in our homes, we might also be transformed in our homes? And I don't know about you, but I feel really excited about that. Um, and uh, I, I remember when I was a kid, it was obligatory that if you had a kid's party, there were three things that had to happen. One of them was jelly and ice cream. Another one was a party bag, which had to involve a piece of cake and also one of those uh, uh, polystyrene flat pack aeroplanes <laughs> that never flew properly. <laughs> and then the third thing was pass the parcel. Uh I was going to explain what parcel parcel is, but I'm guessing that probably most people know what parcel parcel is. You pass a parcel (laughs) around in a circle until the music stops. And then when the music stops, whoever's holding the parcel starts ripping uh, newspaper off and throwing that to one side. And then uh, the music starts again, you pass it around a bit more. But the discerning ones, the ones that who had played the game before, they knew that it was absolutely worth looking amongst the rubbish because in every layer of paper, in every layer of rubbish, there was a gift. I think that this is a pretty rubbish time for lots of reasons, but amongst the layers of rubbish, there is a number of gifts for us. And what if one of those gifts was an invitation to transformation? I, I think the first couple of weeks of lockdown were a bit uh, disorienting. It was a kind of a time for anxiety and, and worry. And it was very difficult to think straight. 
I think probably now, I, I don't know about you, but I'm in a place where things have moved on a bit now and now I can start to ref be more reflective, to consider more. And so I can start to ask myself big questions like, for example, what is it during lockdown that God wants to do in my life? Or um, who do I want to become? Or who does God want me to become during lockdown? These are big questions. And it seems to me that the Apostle Paul is someone who teaches us how to do lockdown really well. And, and in this passage, I can find at least three characteristics of a life well lived. And the first characteristic is this. You may be under huge pressure, but it's still possible to be a person of prayer. I heard of someone recently who was on the phone to the bank for seven hours on wow. hold. And then at the end of those seven hours, they were just cut off and they had to start all over again. These banks at the moment, they just can't cope with the demand. I was hearing on the radio that they used to have maybe uh, 1,500 calls a day. And at the moment, they're dealing with 100,000 calls a day from anxious customers who are worried about their finances. And, and maybe that's you at the moment, actually. Maybe, maybe you are very worried about your finances and we are praying for you and lots of other people are praying for you too. But the banks are in huge demand. So are the supermarkets. You know, Taryn went to the supermarket a couple of weeks ago and the shelves were absolutely bare. And there was a little boy there with his mum and he just kind of walked in and, and the, the, the scene was so startling that he just burst into tears. The, the supermarkets just couldn't cope with the demand. The banks can't cope with the demand. The supermarkets can't cope with the demand. God can cope with the demand. We never get put on hold. <laughs> there never comes a moment where God says, I'm sorry, I'm dealing with these other people at the moment. I don't have time for you. He always has time for us. I think one of the most exciting things, the most remarkable things that's happening during this season is a surge in prayer that's taking place all over the world. There's barely a nation on earth right now that hasn't had a, a, a national day of prayer already. There are prayer movements, prayer initiatives starting all the time. There's uh, uh, people in, in this country who are lighting a candle and then placing it in their windows and then praying on a Sunday night. There's 24-7 uh, uh, virtual prayer rooms taking place in our church and lots of other churches. There are even uh, prayer meetings that used to take place in dusty church halls that are now taking place on the internet and, and they're, they're really well attended. I, I heard of a, 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 a church, the pastor was telling me normally they might get 10 or 12 people to their prayer meeting, but they had 70 or 80 people at their midweek prayer meeting. It's fantastic. And, and let's not be under any illusion what is happening in those prayer meetings is that the destiny of our nation and other nations is being changed. I love that quote from the Swiss theologian Karl Barth, who said, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. I believe that with all my heart. And, and I know that, that big things are happening as we pray, but also, what I see in this passage is the Apostle Paul is in lockdown. He is uh, pretty desperate about his own circumstances. But what he does is he reaches out through the uh, locked door across the geography and he just simply says, I'm praying for you. I can't think of a more beautiful 
or more perfect way to communicate that you care about someone than to let them know that you're praying for them. And what if, as well as all the other things that are happening right now, what if there was a surge of personal prayer? What if um, crisscrossing their way across the northeast of Scotland and beyond, there were these little messages of care and concern saying, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. That would be a beautiful thing. So it's possible to be under huge pressure and still be a person of prayer. Second one, it's possible to be under huge pressure and still be a person of principle. In verse 10, he prays that they may be able to discern what's best. And in the New Living Translation, it translates it like this. He's praying that they would understand what really matters. I think that one of the things that God is doing in this season is he's helping us to understand what really matters. I wonder what you would say really matters in your life right now. Uh, I don't know whether you've ever seen one of those houses that's just been extended and then somebody else bought it and they added an extension to the extension and then somebody else bought it and they added an extension to the extension. And before long, it's like this hugely overextended house that is really, really ugly. And nobody can really see what the original house was supposed to be like. And it's utterly dysfunctional. I think that's a picture of our lives over recent years. We have added and added and added. We are, we've been hugely overextended. You know, we have added um, uh, more complexity. We've added more options to our lives. We've added more things that draw more time and more attention and more affection. We've added and added and added and extended and extended and extended. And we have removed nothing. We've taken nothing away. <laughs> Do you know what you should really do if you come across a house that is totally overextended? The, the best thing to do is to just knock it down and to start all over again. And uh, maybe that's what we should be doing with our lives in this moment. We should be dismantling our lives and trying to decide what matters most and then rebuilding our lives on that foundation. And what if what matters most is a relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. What if we, we begin with that and work outwards, our relationships, our friendships, we wanna make our lives count for something, we wanna have an impact. What if we were to live according to those principles? It's possible to be under huge pressure mm -hmm. and be a person of principle. Uh, number three, last one, it's possible to be under huge pressure and still be a person of purity. Again, in verse 10, he's praying for his friends that they may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. When I went to secondary school, there was a, uh, a kind of a set of kit that our parents had to buy before we went to the school. And that included PE kit. And like, this is unbelievable looking back now. But the, part of the PE kit was you had to have white socks white shorts and a white rugby shirt ready for Wednesday afternoons when we would go and roll around on the mud chasing a rugby ball. It was insane. And so at the end of it, every Wednesday afternoon, there was nothing white about it. You know, we were just absolutely caked in mud, except for Chris. Chris was my friend and we don't know how he did it. We suspect that he never actually went anywhere near a rugby ball or any of us, but he would 
end the afternoon pristine and white and unsullied by the day's events. Paul is praying for his friends that they would be unsullied, unsoiled, untainted by the day's events. I think it's a powerful thing. I've come to realise by reflecting on this passage that that how we behave in these moments doesn't have to be shaped by our circumstances. You know, my speech doesn't need to be dictated by my situation. My behaviour doesn't need to be dictated by the nature of the battle that I'm in. My attitude doesn't need to be decided by the atmosphere around me. I can choose integrity. I can choose purity. I can choose to not give in to temptation. And Paul is praying for his friends that they would do exactly that, that they would be unsullied by the day's events. Let me just finish with this. So we've lived in this house for three years and and we have a little bit of a garden here. And so some friends and family members have bought us plants, haven't Mm -hmm. they? And in particular, three people or three uh, friends have brought us fruit trees. We've had a, a cherry tree, a pear tree, and an apple tree. And I'm sorry to break it to you if you're watching this, but all three of those trees died. It turns out <laughs> that we have got uh, no green fingers and absolutely terrible soil. Yeah. If we want to grow good fruit in our lives, we need to make sure that we're putting our roots down into good ground. We might want to be people of purity. We might want to be people of principle. We might want to be people of prayer. How do you grow that kind of fruit in your life? Well, the Apostle Paul tells us, verse 10, he says, I'm praying that you may be able to discern what's best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness, which is what we're talking about, that comes through Christ Jesus. That's how we grow fruit that's good. We connect our roots. We put our roots deep down into a relationship with Jesus. I don't know whether you're a Christian. Maybe you don't know whether you're a Christian. Maybe you know that you're not a Christian, but you want to be. Do you know that there are lots of people who are watching this, I'm sure, who are trying to live good lives and bear good fruit in their lives. And they're trying to make decisions on the basis of their values and principles and so on. I would urge you to wave the white flag of surrender and to say, do you know what? I am going to put my roots down into a relationship with Jesus and then who knows what kind of good fruit might come. In a moment, we're gonna finish and and I'm gonna make an opportunity for you to become a Christian if that's what you'd like to do. And so I just wanna give you warning of that so you can consider that. Let's pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, we want this time to have some positive outcomes. We want to grow fruit in our lives, fruit of righteousness. We want to make sure that we don't end up being disappointed by this opportunity and how we responded to it. And so right now we just reach out and we we recognise that you're at work in the world and that you're wanting to be at work in our lives. And we reach out and we say, God, please be at work in whatever way you want to in our lives. Amen.